As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Meg, your host, and I'm a national staff writer at The Athletic covering the NWSL and the U.S. women's national team. We are into the NWSL regular season now, and guess what? Portland is still really good at soccer, but Barcelona are also Champions League winners, and the Broncos upset FSU in the NCAA College Cup final. But today we're actually going in a slightly different direction as my coworker from The Athletic, Jeff Reuter, is here because I also just really wanted to talk to him about everything that has gone down in Columbus over the past week or so with the MLS club's rebrand and then their walk back of that rebrand and figure out what lessons are there for the NWSL and, and more importantly talk about our relationship with history in American soccer. So yes, we will be talking about men's soccer, but I promise it will all make sense to you once we get there. But before we get started, as always, a reminder that you can directly support this podcast and all of our women's soccer coverage at The Athletic with your subscription. And best of all, with the start of the NWSL regular season, plus, you know, the NBA and NHL playoffs and all of those other normal things happening right now, you can subscribe for just $1 a month. Now, I think most of you who listen to this show on an even semi-regular basis know where I stand on your subscriptions, proving the value of women's soccer coverage. And we do have something very good brewing on our side of things here at The Athletic. I'll be able to share that relatively soon, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, make sure you get in on this dollar a month deal. If you need to set up a new subscription, you can do that by going to theathletic.com slash full time. Again, you're showing your support for the podcast for the coverage, and plus you get all of the other benefits of The Athletic to boot. That is theathletic.com slash full-time. All right. So the good news is that the pace of news did actually slow down a bit, at least compared to last week, but still plenty of things are happening. So here's what you need to know. Let's start with Champions League, as Barcelona just absolutely put on a show against Chelsea in the final on Sunday, winning 4-0 
All four goals scored in that first half. While the first two were a little bit weird, let's be real, between this own goal and then a penalty kick that led to a bit of debate, but goals three and four were just pure, beautiful Barcelona and showed how they are on truly just a completely different level. Now, here's why that is also exciting. They are going to be in Portland this August as part of the Women's International Champions Cup. Of course, all right, time out. Full disclaimer from me, as you might have noticed, I was actually in the launch video for this tournament as I also do some work with the ICC folks on a digital show called The Feature, The Fixture. So disclaimer aside, Barcelona and Lyon are heading to the U.S. after the Olympics to play in this tournament with Portland Thorns FC and the Houston Dash, August 18th through the 21st. It starts with Barcelona versus Lyon and then Thorns versus Dash. Also, this NWSL versus NWSL game will not count as a league game, but then the winners face off in the final. Very much looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to being there. Actually, just being back in Portland for the first time in a very long time. All right, last week, Racing Louisville FC announced they had signed Ebony Salmon to a two-year contract, and I said this in my season preview for The Athletic, but it feels like the perfect signing for this team when it comes to risk, right? It is a little bit risky, but her ceiling is super high. She's going to be really fun to watch, and I am personally just very ready to see what kind of partnership that she and Yuki Nagasato can develop. Plus, Rose Lavelle and Sam Mewis are on their way back to the U.S. after their contracts were up with Man City. Lavelle will join O.L. Reign as an allocated player and will start training on May 26th. She, sh- she could play as soon as May 30th out in Tacoma against her former team, the Washington Spirit. The narratives will be strong with that one, of course. Mew has picked up some allocation money and signed a two-year contract with the Carge, and much like Rose, will be available to play as soon as Friday, May 28th. One more NWSL item. The league picked up a pretty major sponsor thanks to MasterCard. The multi-year deal involves a few different elements, including some game day experience stuff, but will also feature some soccer-themed learning experiences as part of MasterCard's program for science, tech, engineering, and mathematics called Girls for Tech, but also some education for players about financial wellness, which I think is definitely a good thing. Finally, on Monday night, the Broncos outlasted FSU in the College Cup final, first coming up with a late equalizer via Kelsey Turnbow and then surviving two overtime periods and finally defeating FSU via penalty kicks 4-1. to one. Now, if you watched, you were also aware that there was quite the alumni cheering section in the stands, and I actually talked to 2001 champs Daniel Slayton, Allie Wagner, and Leslie Osborne as they were waiting for their flight home to the Bay Area. There's a link to that story in the show notes. They were... (laughs) Watching them was almost as fun as watching the game, if not more so in a slightly specific way, but just a great time. Okay. So again, my coworker from the soccer vertical, Jeff Reuter, joins the show. Fun fact, we have also gotten the same tattoo, although in slightly different form, and you will learn all about that in this segment as well. Here we go. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> you I, are this here. Is, this has been a career aspiration of mine since <laughs> you launched this show, and I never thought I'd see the day because, I don't know. I, I think it's just that I don't have a confident facial hair look and I keep rotating it and we're at the mustache. I was like, well, now it's never going to happen because I'm <laughs> embracing a mustache in my late twenties. And here we are. Yeah. It's great. You know, dreams come true. Dreams come true. Yep. Keep, uh, <laughs> keep doing your thing kids. Um, you could be on a podcast hosted by one of your coworkers eventually. <laughs> 
Okay. So the reason I brought you on is because I wanted to kind of, you've been doing a lot of reporting about the team from Columbus that plays in MLS, who does not necessarily know what their name is. I immediately wanted to call them the crew, but then I was just like, listen, I've got to, I've got to soften this in. Um, And I'm just, one of the things that we have talked a lot about in terms of like on our meetings as a group, right. It's just kind of the overall landscape of this, of MLS, but NWSL is also in the mix, right? USL as well. Just kind of this urge to rebrand, the urge to make something new, the urge to change everything and start it all over again. And we have seen a little bit of it on the NWSL side, but I did just want to start with kind of the Columbus saga a bit because I do think it helps to understand mm-hmm. Because I think it, it is so interesting to me, like the Columbus story has happened. And then like a month before I had gone through all the Gotham FC stuff, That's right. you could not have two more different reactions Mm-mm. to rebrands. So let's talk right. about, let's talk about Columbus. If you can do the Cliff's Note version yeah. of their journey through rebrands. Sure. So this is the club's third rebrand ever they, they had a crest adjustment in 2014 they changed they dropped sc off of the name in 2018 and then without much forewarning nor much obvious reason to do so uh they they went ahead and changed from columbus crew to columbus sc i i think that the the rationale behind it maybe we can get into it in a little bit later but what ended up happening is that fans locally hated it really did not resonate with it they loved the crew name uh there's this fantastic story about uh, a nordica supporter member who was shown this uh, the night before they ended up announcing it and this the supporter ripped off his shirt to show a tattoo of a columbus crew crest on his chest there was someone else who was calling the club president a traitor which is just very harsh when you're talking about soccer, but here we are. And yeah, it, it was it was truly struck a nerve in the wrong way with the fan base, which is the exact opposite of what you want to do with the rebrand. And it took about a week. And we've been hearing that this was, uh, that there was no turning back, that already spent seven figures on marketing considerations, on banners for the stadium, on promotions, all of this stuff, merchandise, where they would never consider changing it. And then... At 9 p.m. Central, 10 Eastern local, (laughs) uh, on a Monday night, suddenly they say, hey, we're the crew. Again, after a week. So Columbus SC played one game against the New England Revolution. They lost. And uh, there you go. The New England Revolution are the best team in MLS. (laughs) Thank you for saying that as a a longtime New England Revolution supporter. I did really enjoy the Revs tweet of forever undefeated against Mm -hmm. Columbus SC. Can't change that. I do want to detour for a second because I feel like SC as a, as a term does not get enough love in this country. Like Mm -hmm. if we're going to, I would kind of like to detour for a second because I don't fundamentally hate the idea that you would have SC instead of FC. That to me feels good and fun and stupid Mm -hmm. in a fun way. And in an American way, right? Like we, we play soccer, right? Like we don't, 
Uh, just also FYI, if you come into my mentions and you're like, it's called football, you're getting mm. either muted or blocked, depending on how annoying I find you. <laughs> depends but, what was for lunch that day. Yeah, yeah, it depends on my mood. Um, Right now is probably a block. But It's a block day. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I, I just think like in terms of stuff that actually like can distinguish MLS or, you know, like I am still kind of surprised that there is not a single club that has embraced SC in NWSL just because it is kind of fun and different. And it also, I think, you know, a lot of them want that concept of an overall club, right? Especially the ones that have MLS and NWSL teams. There is certainly right. reason to embrace this idea of a club. What's but- interesting about it, though, is that, like you said, in American soccer, there's seldom clubs, right? Yeah. It's it's usually a franchise or <laughs> yes. it is some a team maybe yep. because it didn't stem from the local YMCA or whatever. It, it stemmed from a millionaire billionaire who who plopped a plopped an expansion flag into some some rich soil or whatever. I I, I think what's interesting too about this case is that. The, the rationale behind going to Columbus SC and SC is still on Columbus crew at the, the tail end of it. So they are sticking with that part of it. But what's interesting is the rationale for them, as was the case in MLS with the Chicago fire with club to foot Montreal, when they ditched the impact branding. The Sorry, Montreal... club to foot is never not going to be funny to me. <laughs> I just called them I, the I'll... Montreal foot club. So, <laughs> you know, fans love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it won't ever not be funny to me either. But the thing is, the, the reasons behind this that MLS teams are saying, and I, I think that Louisville City ran into something similar um, last year in the USL, was they wanted to be seen as a global brand. And they wanted to have a greater reach. They wanted to have greater merchandise potential to, to resonate with fans across the globe. They're taking maybe the wrong lessons from the Premier League's global success and other leagues. But if you have SC in your name, you're going to run into the exact same sort of trolling inevitably. And people are going to say, how are you a global name? You're clearly an American soccer thing. So you're like still stuck in two minds with your own rebrand when you throw an SC. That said, I agree with you. It's more authentic. It's, it's more you play in major league soccer. So yeah. probably call yourself a soccer club. I think that that's a pretty good starting point. Right. Yeah. Same for, I mean, National Women's Soccer League. Like right. we're not, we're not pretending that these things are football here in the yeah. US. Right. So I, I it is, I, I, I think your point is right. Like that, that there is this fine line between wanting these global aspirations. And I think we've also seen this in the NWSL, right? Like there have certainly been I mean you think about someone like Orlando or Portland right Mm -hmm. that has players from from and I mean this goes for every single team but players from multiple countries the way that they can do outreach Gotham FC is kind of the same way in terms of like you know someone like Naho Kawasumi unlocks Japan right there Mm -hmm. there are ways to find new markets there is this international streaming deal via Twitch the the exporting of the NWSL I think is a a much easier sell <laughs> yeah. than MLS right now. Like if we want to talk about clubs that should be having global aspirations and thinking about, okay, what does our brand do to unlock a global fan base? Because I do like, I, I think it's really easy to get lost in like the marketing weeds, right? Or like the, we had a very long off season and I read a lot of really bad press releases about how everything was... <laughs> beautiful and game-changing you know like so 
you know, you get lost in this business talk, but there is something very fundamental about, I mean, I'm, I'm currently wearing like a Venice <laughs> shirt, right? <laughs> right? Like that there are people in other countries who are going to buy your stuff and wear your things and watch your team. Mm-hmm. And for me, NWSL, I think really does have, like, you can just see like the doors open. Mm-hmm. I think that the Gotham one in particular makes so much sense because if it is a global market, you know, you, you can talk about the, where do you play? And are you actually based in New York, New Jersey? We can talk about that, but that's going to be associated with New York. Right. And if you ask someone worldwide outside of the United States and Canada uh, to, to what, what images come to mind when you think of New York, they're not going to say, well, I think of the color sky blue. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that was ever going to be one of their first hundred associations that they have with it. Now, would they say Gotham? Would they say, oh, well, you know, Batman skylines and all that stuff? Probably. I think that would come up well before the color sky blue. So in that sense, it makes a lot of sense. Right. And, and that is really tapping into it because then it's, it's, it's akin to a a fashion release, or it's like when the the WNBA and the NBA do their city collections where like the Minnesota Lynx put out a first Ave uh, inspired stars Jersey. It's really cool. It looks like you're at the outside of First Ave. It's locally relevant, but it also is internationally, it, it strikes a chord and that's yeah. great. Yeah. So it's a similar sort of approach and that's okay. That's good. You can be really tailoring yourself to your local fans first in a way that is aesthetically pleasing and um, relevant, I guess, beyond your local market. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the the immediate places where my brain goes on that front is the Chicago Red Stars jersey, the Elevate jersey, mm. right? Like that is a Chicago shirt. But mm. when you look at it, it's also just like it was cool. The launch video was very cool, right? Like yeah. there is kind of this you are rooted in a place and you right. have this connection with the community, but also it's going to extend past this. I know both of us are, are definitely, uh, I mean, the, the athletic soccer vertical in general is extremely targeted by forward Madison, just as an entire concept, <laughs> That's right? That's right? right. <laughs> like I, I, I think that forward Madison was actually perhaps a fever dream that was just designed to be targeted at the athletic soccer is. vertical. They just hired somebody who was at our, my wife and my wedding as their head coach. <laughs> so that feels right. Okay. I think it was. <laughs> right. But just in terms of like that as a club that obviously is still playing games in Madison, Wisconsin. Do right. I watch any of them? No. Do mm-hmm. I have 
three or four forward Madison jerseys in my dresser behind me? Yes. Right. Am I aware? Like, do I also really enjoy that they troll our coworker Pablo literally every single game day with a calm before the storm <laughs> tweet? Absolutely. Yes. But like, there are both very specific things that you can do that also allow you to unlock new audiences. And we have seen the power of kit launches and merch and all like that stuff does mm. actually matter. It does. It does. And I think that in MLS's case, to bring this back to Columbus for a second, they don't have as much autonomy to make these same sort of bold risks that the Red Stars, that Gotham, that Ford Madison can afford to make because it's single entity and they have a contract with Adidas to make all of their jerseys. And so the team that's dedicated to it says it's a two-year project to be able to get a jersey from ideation to realization. They say that they're working on a lot all of the time and so they can't possibly, even though you see clubs all around the world and in the United States that have Adidas partnerships with these stunning jerseys, you see them in the NWSL, you see them in the USL, and MLS, I mean, they're, they're really sick of hearing how much people rag on them for plain white jerseys. I know that for a fact, but they keep release, releasing plain white jerseys. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> you control your own destiny. And so I think at that point, as these clubs like Chicago, like Montreal, like Columbus are looking at, okay, how do we branch out? How do we get people around the world to think about Columbus, Ohio, which good luck, but you know, like how, how do you do it? you rebrand, you get a new name, you make it so that you have something that's more versatile, that you can just put a big C on a crew neck sweatshirt and maybe that's gonna resonate with people. Uh, you, you take other risks at the expense of your own club history. And at this point, the league is in its 26th season. Columbus has been in the league for the entirety of the time. This is the 24th season for the fire. This is the 10th season for Montreal in MLS, but Montreal had history dating back to the eighties as well. At, at a certain point, you have to actually give some sort of credence to where you've been once mm -hmm. you've actually established that sort of thing. And what we saw in the case of Columbus is that the priority for ownership for the marketing department was how do we make this scale internationally rather than hey we've won a couple of mls cups with this name we've literally had including a the season moment. before that's right that's <laughs> right which is baffling to me right they they're de the defending champions and you couldn't even say like the defending champion columbus crew because it's a different team for a week and right. it makes no sense it made right. no sense I do want to also, as as a fan again of a, another team that was an original MLS team, I have made a lot of jokes on Twitter about being ready to defend the crayon flag of the <laughs> New England Revolution <laughs> with my very life. But I also like I think this speaks to, and the same goes for the women's side and the women's history. Of, of the game has been fractured, right? Like I've, I've written about this mm -hmm. a lot. Like we have gone through multiple leagues, right? You have franchises like Boston breakers surviving through two and then falling apart in the NWSL. You have, right. you know, Western New York flash coming in and out. You have the Chicago red stars coming in. You have sky blue, right? Mm -hmm. Surviving through a couple holding on to that star above the sky blue crest from WPS days and then right. losing it during um, the rebrand to Gotham, but there is this, I just find it such a strange relationship of history with this sport because 
also, again, as someone who's originally from Boston, right? Like the relationship of that city of Boston to its sports teams is so rooted in history. Like you think about the Red Sox, you think about the Celtics, right? Mm -hmm. I don't follow the other two teams, so I'm going to go with the ones I know. Those are are good choices. I mean, just being like raised on the Red Sox, right? Like this is, this is what other sports leagues have the ability to do is like, you are born into a fandom, right? Mm. You are, it is passed down for me. It's like grandfather to father to me, you know, like it is generational. And this is what a, you know, MLS is just on the verge of some of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. NWSL is still (laughs) ways off from getting kind of that generational turn in fandom, but all of this is rooted in history and somehow in American soccer, there is this instinct of going, hello, we would like the new thing. Right. Hello. If we, if we rebrand, we might lose 5,000 local fans, but we gain X number globally. Oh, totally. Yeah. It is, you know, for lack of a better analogy, it is the whole, if you pull a lever, (laughs) the train is going down two paths. Which one is going to be the least destructive? It's like those uh, app game ads that you get where it's like, you have to draw the line so the lava doesn't hit the guy. Yes, the poor guy, <laughs> the poor bald mustached man with suspenders for some reason in the middle of a volcano. You have 10 seconds to save his life. It's yeah. just like that. Who came up with that stake, by the way? That is terrifying. That sounds autobiographical at some point. Uh, yeah, I, I think that we've been told on the men's side of the game, at least, because we also do have uh, a men's world cup coming up in the United States, Canada, and Mexico in 2026. And I think that there are a lot of clubs who are confused why MLS isn't more globally relevant in its 26th year. And I think that they're looking at 2026 as, okay, this is it. This is the breakthrough. Everyone's going to be watching American soccer and you're seeing it at all levels of the ecosystem. You're seeing it in the USL, you're seeing it in local leagues, you're seeing it in NISA. Like it's, everyone has this like big circle on their year by year calendar that doesn't exist on 2026 saying like, this is when everything's going to click. Because I think since MLS was founded for the 1996 season, it has been trying to hype itself as the sport of the future, as a rising league, as a league of choice, as a, a league that is on the ascendancy. It's still among men's leagues, probably the fifth most relevant league in the country. If I'm being generous, it is somewhere between the 10th and the 12th best top to bottom men's soccer league in the world at this point. Maybe it's like truly 10th. at at this stage but the the point is it hasn't made the leaps and bounds that I think that most American sports uh, business people assumed it was going to make I I think that they looked and they said okay the NFL great globally relevant totally fine Uh, Major League Baseball it's not world champions that's I think that's the point and so they're trying to find these other avenues to make it boom a little bit more is you know and I think at a certain point it, it fosters like an inferiority complex almost uh, within these clubs, within these leagues where it's okay. We're, we're not the best in our market. We're not the best in the world. So how do we change it? Merch. It, it's such an, like, like you said, with, uh, with Ford Madison, like it, it's such an easy way to get people involved with your club when they're not even watching your club and it's free advertising promotion, what have you free for you. Uh, 
you take their money. <laughs> they pay you to be yeah. able to advertise for you. Like what a gift. So I, I think that that is now the approach. And, and, and as a result, there's a lot of overthinking in terms of, okay, well, well people aren't going to care if they just buy our jersey, uh, what we did in the t- 2009 MLS season. And is that true? Probably shouldn't be, right? Like the name Johnny Pesky means something to you, which mm-hmm. probably means the world to Johnny Pesky's family. And, uh, you know, like that sort of history, like you said, it is passed down. At a certain point, you want to be able to have that story. That's how a league gets bigger. When you have these sort of larger than life personalities, when you have the players that you keep hearing about over and over in terms of like, oh yeah, but I saw Brian Scurry make that save in 99. It's like, oh, I didn't see it. I have to find it on YouTube. And it's like, oh, but she was so off her line. What are we talking about here? But it's like, yeah, but we didn't have VAR back then. So you get this whole, like, th- there is like serious non-monetized and sometimes monetized value in embracing your history. And I don't think you're seeing that on the men's side in this country right now. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting because I think we are embracing it on the women's side at some points, but also mm-hmm. trying to avoid it. And I mean, I, I think maybe it's just me because I I very much care about WSA, the very first pro league in the US, and I have forced a lot of conversations about it, right? But I do think that it is very interesting in terms of, you know, like even thinking about what I was working on yesterday. So I talked to Ali Wagner, Daniel Slayton and Leslie Osborne um, because they got (laughs) a little rowdy at the NCAA championship game and it was extremely enjoyable. And I'm very mad that I wasn't there. So then they called me from the airport, but one of the things that we're all kind of keeping an eye on and and some like we kind of danced around on this call is, you know, there is this move to bring NWSL via expansion to the Bay area and the Bay area has a history with professional women's soccer, the Bay area cyber rays, right? Like which a, Mm -hmm. if we want to talk about great, ridiculous team names from the past, cyber rays Rays are like extremely up there (laughs) in terms of like, that is one. If, if I have a next eBay goal, it is trying to find (laughs) <laughs> vintage i have exactly one wsa ver- jersey and like that is my next <laughs> project <laughs> is, can i find a cyber race jersey because i deeply need one they are ridiculous um but there there is this history and like there is kind of this tradition right and nwsl is not the only thing that has existed in this country right and there is always that concern i think in the early years of is this the iteration that's going mm-hmm. to last. Yeah. And so then you don't want to cling too much to remember that league, remember that league, remember that league, because you're trying to establish yourself. Right. Which I understand. So then the history becomes the players, right? Or the coaches, I guess. Uh, but much more the players. <laughs> I don't I don't think that people are ever there. There's like one coach per league, as I'm thinking about it after saying that really, really stupidly. There's like one coach per league that actually gets this mythical status and the rest are all like, yeah, good coach. It's the players. It's totally the players. Like right. you, you have your cult followings, you have your heroes, you have your Yukis, you have your players that everyone is just like adores. Right. And we'll, did we'll you continue. say they have your Yukis as in Yuki I Nagasato? I okay. Did. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but like you have these sorts of players who are uh, like just lightning rods and, and regardless of where they play, if they move to an expansion club, like that's okay. We'll, we'll just follow. And then credit to, to racing also for just totally leaning in, embracing it and, and printing. They have the realized I think, very quickly <laughs> that Yuki Nagasato is just like, 
it's an experience and you're just along for the ride and you were just <laughs> kind of right. like, you were just going to roll with it and she is amazing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's fantastic. Like that, that has yeah. value. That is right. also something that's going to resonate with fans because you're getting in on the joke, you're uh, enabling it, you're embracing it, right? And you're, you're, you're making yourself so accessible in such an organic way, which still has monetary considerations. It's, yeah. it's, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but a lot of teams in a lot of leagues continue to find ways to step in their own path. Right. So one of the one of the areas that we did kind of overlap a bit is is Louisville in terms of their rebranding. And one of the things that I really like to bring up with them is they immediately change course. Right. Brad Estes comes and is like, we did a bad we did a bad thing. (laughs) Sorry. And we will listen to you. And I think one of the the real key things that we have seen that works, although I think it also provides its own challenges, right? Just in terms of like, you know, the, the fan base is not necessarily going to be like this cohesive unified thing, but is right. bringing trusted supporters into the process. Yes. And so Louisville part two worked really well, I think for them, because there were groups Gotham FC, like I, even early into that, someone who is in their supporters group had forwarded me an email and there was a whole survey, like what names stick out to you? Like when you think about this, what do you, you know, so it's just even getting kind of the lay of the land of does the Hudson river as a concept appeal to you? Does Gotham as a concept appeal to you? And just trying to figure out like what is resonating with the people who are actually going to show up to your games, right? (laughs) it, it feels like such a basic thing that we should be like, oh, maybe the people who actually pay us money to come watch us play should at least get not necessarily a major vote, but we right. should be talking to them. Yeah, some consideration, right? Like just, just bounce ideas off of them. And if they're like, oh, that's garbage, probably listen to that with a little additional weight, right? Because these are the, the uh, you would assume these are the fans that you're inviting to these meetings have been there for a while, have been vocal in their support, have been proactive in promoting it, not necessarily as the like, hey, tomorrow there's a game between <laughs> you know our team and this opponent, yeah. like, but more in a in a way of like tweeting during every game, even when you're home and away. Right. So Twitter has more of yeah. engagement or posting on Instagram like them in their jersey with the field and say grass looks great today or whatever unless it's turf. And then, you know, that's, that's a little bit better. Um, so then that fan's opinion should matter. That should be relevant. It should help you in that path. And I, I think that with Louisville, they, they started with the right intentions, which was we are launching a club in the NWSL and we want to make sure that the brands, I still don't understand why they can't just be one club and why, why we can't do uh you know, like we have the same name and the same crest and you're cheering for the same thing. But I also understand that uh, you really want to get it right when you're launching an NWSL club. And sometimes if Louisville City maybe just wouldn't sound right, you know, in, in a different ecosystem. But they wanted to make sure that the the badges like were in conversation with each other, I guess, to mm-hmm. use something I'm sure a marketer said and, and actually resembled each other, complemented each other. And the first draft just didn't work. And I, I, I think at that point, if I'm not mistaken, the rumor was still proof. Yes. I think when they yep. first did that rebrand. So then people also were like, okay, well, then what does this have to do with whiskey? So 
there was a lot of confusion. They were able to bring in the right designer. They were able to bring in some more fans. They were able to take more time with it. And I think my thing too is just take your time. I don't understand anytime people, teams seem caught unaware by the reaction. <laughs> you probably should have taken enough steps where you're not surprised by the result. Like you should, you should never be surprised by the reaction. It should be, looks cool, old fans complaining about it, right? And uh, eventually coming around to it. Ideally, that's your progression. But when you're having pieces in like every major publication talking about how you have turned your back to your fans, that's probably not what you set out to do. Right. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. What I, what I also find interesting, so I'm just thinking about, again, the Revs, right? A, a yeah. team that still has this old school logo, I think... There have been some conversations about like, do we, right. do we not have this crayon flag, right? Is it I our mean, turn? <laughs> <laughs> and what I find really interesting is that I think that there is such a potential to to have multiple brand things, and I get the simplicity of just wanting the crest and being done. But one of the things that just me personally as a rest fan, like one of the things that I was really drawn to was always like the flag of new England, right. With the pine tree. And yeah. like, it's a little tough now because I also think like white nationalists have seen it and gone like, Oh, we like that. And I'm like, no, that's not for you. Nope. Nope. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. Don't nope. do that. Don't like that. But right. like back, you know, in 2012, when I was still in that area and getting very, very drunk at revs games and, um, but like that was a thing where if they like did a t-shirt or whatever, or like if the Midnight Riders did a t-shirt, like that was something where I was like, no, this is good. And it also fills into this larger landscape of mm -hmm. what the revs can be, right? Like you have the, the crest, but you can have other visual identity pieces mm -hmm. that you can like bring in and out, you know, like it doesn't right. have to be all or nothing of... I still like in the Columbus so, crew thing, I just can't get over that little like goatee on the sea. Like yeah. that's the part of it that's still just like, I look at it and I just go, I don't know what that is. Unfortunately, that has been axed. They have shaved the goatee off the yeah. crest. It was probably time. Um, so, so what you're telling me though, is if the revs rebranded to Boston SC, <laughs> but the crest was Dodzo. <laughs> I mean, if it's dog, so then we're we're gonna have what to like do do? have like a meeting, <laughs> just that to know, <laughs> as we are two of the three athletic employees with this tattoo. <laughs> what would what would you do? Like you're stuck because now it's like okay, think of all of the jerseys I can get with Dogzo. 
How yeah. cool is that? I mean, to be fair, Dogso, I think would make a great crest, but also I'm just kind <laughs> of like, uh, I don't know if I want you to have this. Also half the yeah. joy of Dogso and neither of us have this in our tattoos. Maybe also after I say this, we should explain what Dogso is for folks yeah, who might have that article. <laughs> but they're in this trademark thing that you found. It also has the lovely italicized line of dead slash abandoned, which is my favorite detail about Dogso. Which same, right? <laughs> well, also not one that I was willing to get tattooed on my body. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And, and that the hard part there is how, I mean, I could have because I got this in Jumbo <laughs> and, <laughs> and I supersized my Dogzo. Uh, Dogzo, for those who are unaware, Pablo Maru and I were, amidst all of the rebranding stuff, and I think this was right after Racing released their branding and they had filed a trademark and there were some intrepid fans and journalists in Louisville who were able to find the name before it was announced because that's just a thing that's always going to happen they have to file the trademark some leagues are really cloak and dagger about it and will find a way to make sure the trademark doesn't get publicly listed until the day after others will do it beforehand the ones that do beforehand are pretty easy to fish out and we were going through the history of American soccer on this trademark, the the trademark registry, like the national trademark registry, looking for the dumbest, funniest, weirdest trademarks. And we found stuff like uh, an MLS amusement park that was in the works in 1996 that had like the most disgusting name I've ever heard. We found uh, Club Tijuana had like a, a promotional push that said, we are soccer with three exclamation marks, which was just a little aggressive. But we also found that there was one for the Boston Revolution that was filed in 1995 as the New England Revs were considering whether it'd be Boston or New England. And they apparently, they must have just had to have an image associated with it. So it's this, this little like life is good t-shirt inspired dog. I'm going to say a terrier who's like walking. Yeah, it could be a Boston terrier. That makes could sense. Be a Boston, which would make a ton of sense, right? Yeah. And and has these huge Wayfarer sunglasses on. Is just bopping along at its own rate. Might have a stopwatch on. Might be its paw pad. There's a lot of arguments uh, about that these days uh, among the cultural masses of millions who are thinking about dogs on the daily. And uh, dead and abandoned. <laughs> underneath it which is just again the best detail of this that just doesn't quite look right on the tattoo it's a little aggressive so uh that's dogzo and that is like my favorite american soccer thing i've ever discovered yeah so yeah. i got it on if, my body if the revs took like a real real right turn and decided okay we're gonna rebrand as boston sc right that's right yep that's right that's With right dogzo, the then i'd be, be like oh no You've done two things very targeted at me. I would really, I would have to think about it. I think so, I would so, really right? have to think about it. But to be fair, theory, I'm not like super attached to the revolution as a name, like the revs. Like I like revs. I don't feel very I, strongly about revolution. Again, I, I think now this just is like, the first time I've ever heard you say revolution in full. Yeah, I don't. In, in over two years of working together. I think it's always been revs. Yeah, I. I'm it's the sure. revs to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a lot to consider, but in theory, this would be using fan opinions to say, oh, that dog's amazing. Yes, that's better than a crayon flag. Of course we're getting dogs out. Yeah, that's that's the trick is getting the fans involved. I think that is like, just if you want something to go over well, try this one simple trick. (laughs) This one, (laughs) which doctors hate, (laughs) which is talk to fans. Like that's, that's it. It does again, like it does not have to be super hard, 
but no. that is i think honestly like that is the one like that's our seo headline of this <laughs> thing try this one simple trick that that marketers hate that marketers hate that's right that's talk right to the fans talk to the fans it, it just makes sense because i think ultimately you can talk about wanting to be a global brand it's a good ambition don't get me wrong but i think that if you're looking at any country it is very very rare that the true like quote global brands of soccer are in provincial towns we'll say or are in mid-sized cities like it is like the leones the paris the barcelona the london's right as you're looking at the clubs that are continually in the champions league finals um it is in the united states la new york they're trying to make Miami into a thing on the men's side. Good luck with that. We'll see how it goes, right? Like maybe it will work, maybe it won't. But there are only so many cities that truly are global. I think Chicago has that potential to be fair. Uh, Houston hasn't been able to figure it out, but I think that's already a little too far down the list, even though it's fifth in American markets. So um, if you can't be a global brand, there's nothing wrong with being, to use a word that Silicon Valley loves, a challenger brand, a disruptor brand. And you are so cool with your branding and you are so in tune with what your fans want that anyone outside of your fan base is still going to be envious and still admire it and buy it or follow them. Right. I mean, like it, like AS Roma, I know Roma is like Rome is a proper like global city, but they're not like one of the most competitive clubs in Italy on either side of the game. And they still have such a strong presence in the United States uh, because of, you know, some decisions that they made from social in design, um, which have just worked really well. Yeah. yeah. So, they got me. They got, I mean, to be fair, yeah. I did my study abroad in Rome. So like I was already kind of primed, oh, but like, said, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now you, now you're wearing Venice. So <laughs> no, I just really liked it as a shirt. I was like, it's, I have, I have a Roma. I went to, I dragged Marjorie into the Roma store when we were in Rome on vacation in 2017. I was like, hello, we're going into this three level store on the main shopping street in Rome. What's on the second level? <laughs> I, don't, I think the Much third level is like trophies and just kind of like some, like they have kind of, you know, like here's our history again. Oh, here's our like history. A, like a museum. I'm sorry. I thought yeah, they were yeah. like selling their trophies. Like, no. please no. someone get these off our hands. Yeah. But like they have, you know, like videos up on the screen, but you know, like that again, they use, they use shopping. They use the brand in a way to bring people in off the street. Mm -hmm. And then they say, look at this thing that we have done. <laughs> look at our history. Right. Wouldn't you like to be a part of it? Yeah. It's not hard. <laughs> it shouldn't be hard. I mean, the hardest part of that, of course, is build history. Yes. That <laughs> is takes... survive long enough to build history. <laughs> That's right. And you can't speed that process up, but you can continue to, I don't know, kind of big up where you've been. You can really make sure you're documenting where you are right now so that fans have those access points that they hold on to for years. Uh, it's possible. It's definitely possible. And in the meantime, I think that there also is a tendency for sports fans to really like a new team in any league because they're seeing it from the beginning to wherever they go. So that even if you're not like a huge fan or like you're not truly like tied into racing Louisville, like I remember watching their expansion draft on Twitch. And so I will be able to say like, oh, I remember when that player was picked and everyone was like, oh, that's kind of a weird choice. And now they're starting every single game. 
right? Like you can kind of start to build that sort of immediate history and be so accessible if you're that transparent um, that, that you can get by without the history component. And yeah, there are some lean years in the middle where you're no longer new and no longer or not yet historic, which was the first draft of that pop song. <laughs> but um, it's possible. It is definitely possible. Yeah. All right. I think that is, we've, we've solved the problem for MLS clubs. All they have to do is listen to this podcast and they will now know the secret. This goes for, for NWSL, right? Like, I think it really is just kind of this very interesting American approach that is shared on both sides of the game where there is kind of this history of not necessarily embracing your own history. That's right. That's right. And overthinking what that means to get around that. Yeah. 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 All before, right, Jeff, tell... Before you let me go, yes. uh, sneakers, how did it go this morning? Oh, it did not. Yeah, so when I texted Jeff about this, this podcast, <laughs> I was also in the middle of trying to use my phone to win a pair of uh, low dunks on sneakers, and it did not mm-hmm. work because it never does. It so. never works. I swear that they only have, like, one shoe per size. One pair. Yes. It'd be amazing if it was just one shoe. Like, yeah, you got your last <laughs> Just get a guys. box. It's one shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I, I have now my new most dangerous app is goat and yep. I have to start considering about deleting it off of my phone, except in like when I really know what I'm, what I'm looking for, because it is one of those things where like, I'll open it up at 10 o'clock and I'm like, Oh, Oh, that might be there. a good, that might be a good desktop only. Yeah. <laughs> oh. There are some, there are some sites, some apps that I can't have like shop always like shopping related. Yeah. Where it's like, if this is here and I'm, yep. If I am just like winding down for the night, if I have just been at a bar, whatever, now that I can do that again, yeah. I'm vaccinated. Then I'm just scrolling. Etsy was this for me actually, <laughs> because then I also had this hook of like, Oh, it was made by some artisan, whatever. Yeah. And then it's just like a cheaply printed t-shirt by Gildan or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There are, I mean, my, my new struggle is also like, you know, I don't get taken by a lot of Instagram targeted ads that I see, but there was one for a very nice, uh, sparkling water seltzer thing. And they definitely got me. And I, we now order like every once in a while, this like very nice (laughs) sparkling water. And I was just joking to Marjorie this morning. I was like, that goddamn Instagram ad, it got me like, (laughs) They got we've me. Come, we've come full circle because this shirt was actually a targeted Instagram ad <laughs> uh, by Mahogany Memories. And it's fantastic. I loved yeah. it. And I was like, oh, this looks so cool. And it's uh, it comes in multiple colors. Like I could have gotten in black, but I have too many black t-shirts. So I got one that is like salmon. And I like it. Jeff, please you tell can... people where they can find you. You can find It's been a long week. It. it is Wednesday before noon, <laughs> it and it has already been a long week for both of us, I think. It sure has. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Reuter, R-U-E-T-E-R. You can find everything I do at The Athletic. Um, and uh, this weekend, you can find me at a Red Stars game because I'm going to Chicago. And then it turns out they're, they're, they're making a big special reveal that I don't know if we can say what it is or not. So I mean, it's uh, their jersey. That's what it okay, is. Good. I wasn't sure if that was still <laughs> yeah, hidden. It's, it's pretty easy to read between the lines. I hope you go hang out with new Red Stars owner, Sarah Spain, because she's apparently throwing quite a party in the parking lot. So sure you should go check like that to. out. Yeah, I think that- I think there is going to be Malort involved. So just like be aware of that. I've been training though. That was my <laughs> my smart play was I got a bottle of Malort from a friend from Chicago 
and I have been able to ensure that I can take a shot of Malort and not show that I'm not from the area. So I think I'll be set. I really do. All right, report back this weekend. Will do. I might wait till the morning after. It might be the afternoon after if it's Malort, but I'll let you know. Yeah, fair fair enough. All right. Thank you, Jeff, for the time. Godspeed (laughs) on your trip to Chicago. Uh, Please enjoy and tell Local 134 I said hello. Will do. Thank you to Jeff. Everyone, please send us better vibes for us, for one of us even, to hit on sneakers once. I'd like to say I believe in us, but the app is the devil, so actually I, I don't believe in us at all. Actually, you know what? Send us vibes for GOAT to sponsor us before I literally have to delete that app out of my own financial wellness and its needs. All right, one more thing. And as always, I'm honestly terrible at the self-promotion part. I, I finally tweeted about this because Shreen Ahmed yelled at me in a text message. But also, I, I wrote a book which is wild and very different, but it is out on June 1st, and it is called Secrets of Success Insights from Megan Rapinoe's world-class soccer career. Now, just to warn you, it is it is definitely a little bit more for a casual audience that might be t- tuning in just to like World Cups or the Olympics, right? But I do think there's also some pretty helpful reminders in there about how to be a better person and, and lift others up. So hopefully you will still check it out. It's available via all the usual spots, Kindle, you know, all that kind of stuff. I have more info on my website at meglinahan.com. If you order via Bookshop or your local indie bookstore, I, I definitely recommend going local. Okay, as always, the home for the show is at fulltimepod.com, where you can find links to all of the major podcast platforms. If you're enjoying the show, as always, that your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts truly do make a difference. And one more call for this. You can subscribe to The Athletic for just $1 a month right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. My name is Meg, and you have been listening to Full-Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full-Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan, and thank you for listening. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.